Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Connor. It's a very different edition, a shorter version of the podcast this week. Because what I've done is, the conversation I had with Eric Lonergan, the author of Angry Dynamics last week, was really, really important. And I have had lots of feedback from a lot of you who have suggested that the content and the line of questioning and the response from Eric was so valuable to you in your own life. And what it really confirms is that there's this lack of understanding around money and finance, around central banks, around the printing of money. What is money? Where does it come from? All of those things most of us know very little about. Absolutely incredible. So what I've done is, because the conversation last week with Eric was so important, what I've done is this week, I've pulled together the best bits of the conversation and I'm putting them out over the next nine minutes on this short podcast. The key things to look out for, where Eric talks about how understanding Pokemon cards can teach you actually a lot about money. He talks about, do we really want politicians to have the power to create money out of thin air? Is that what we want? What we need now is the political will and the political imagination to fix things. The big question that I have, which remains is, I'm not sure we have that. One of the big problems that I think faces everyone right now is, I'm not convinced that our politicians, the people that we have mandated to take the very decisions that impact all of us, I'm not sure they actually understand the levers that they have at their disposal to fix some of these problems. I think that's a real, real issue. And I genuinely feel that there are many politicians who just don't understand it. I think that's a problem. The other question we talk about, and I've put it back in the best bits, is do we have to pay all of this money back? How many times over the last couple of months have you heard finance ministers, government department ministers, prime ministers, tarnishes, economists say, we have to stop borrowing money because at some time we're going to have to pay it back. And all we're really doing is we're going to burden the young. Our young people of today will have to pay this back. What I found in the podcast, in this project, speaking to lots of different people is, that's not exactly the case. Fascinating. And then the final thing that we speak about in this short podcast, which Eric goes into in great length in the full conversation in episode 17, which I would really invite you to listen to the whole episode. But the final thing is why politics is failing all of us. What is the reason for that? And the answer lies in the fact that so many of us are so angry and we have been for so long. So there you go. It's a new feature to the podcast. I thought it was really important. I listened to the conversation myself with Eric a few times now and there's some really, really important information in that conversation. And I thought it was really important that I pulled it together over nine or ten minutes and released it this week. And what I'm hoping is that you get some value from it. Take care. Look after yourself and each other. Thank you.
I think actually if you understand Pokemon cards, you, you can learn an awful lot about money. So uh, David Hume, who, who I think is, is the first person to really grasp this idea, and Hume says that there are three what he describes as spontaneous institutions of society. So when human beings get together, there are three things that they do, even without a central planner. So you don't need a government or an organization to tell you what to do. And the three things that human beings need to do is one, they need to have a language. They need to have rules, which is law, and they have money. And you actually realize kids do this spontaneously. So nobody tells kids to have a money, which were Pokemon cards, because they then started using Pokemon cards, you know, to trade, you know, packed lunches or whatever. And they have rules, and of course they have language. And this is one of the really interesting things that, that's critical to the understanding of money, which is it's actually very, very similar to language, in that it has no, it has no value other than the fact that other people accept it. And it has no value to an individual. It has no value to me unless you accept it. So in the same way that language, if I construct a private language, that has no purpose. The only advantage of English is that other people use it, accept it and understand it. And money is the same. what we decided is given how easy it is that I can just you know add some zeros and create some money yeah do you want politicians to have that power you know do you really want Donald Trump simply to be able to go oh you know what just create me x billion out of thin air and because of the legacy and the concerns associated with that um we decided to give central banks independence so we said actually we want that that's going to be a higher constitutional authority because the problem in a sense is if you give politicians that option, God knows what they're gonna get up to. And so you have it in law that you wanna have a separate institution which prints the money, right? However, what's happening at the moment in effectively in an emergency, you're getting cooperation. So the government is saying we're in a national emergency. We need, uh, we need capital, we need to spend and we need to transfer money to households to keep people going and to businesses. And the central bank is effectively printing the money and allowing them to do that. I get the regulation and the, the, the cronyism concerns around, yeah. you know, the just sending money on the computer. But whenever yeah. you have a once in a 100 year event, um, yeah. you can make a you can make a political decision then. So so really, if, if there was the political will to send money, for example, to Northern Ireland, where I'm talking to you from today, to fix our broken system with huge problems here, yeah, um, that that could happen. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the reality is, um, no, virtually no government in the developed world has any financial constraint at the moment. Census globally is, is getting to that kind of school of thought, right? Yeah. The, the challenge to that then is you have a lot of uh, a number of economists saying, well, year 21, then the money could go up to seven, five, six, seven, or eight percent. So you're really burdening the next generation. Um, so I get that argument as well. But 
you then have other more innovative free thinking economists saying, well, let's let's take out a perpetual fund, put the money over a hundred years, and fix the rate. Do, is that possible? Like, does all of this money have to be paid back? Is what I'm trying to say. If it's electronic numbers on a computer, do you actually have to pay the money back, or are you, do you never pay the money back? In these kinds of scenarios, like, yeah. you know, can we? Yeah. Well, well, a situation. It gets where, a little bit complicated. Like nobody. Uh, if, if you if you issue twenty pound notes, there's nothing to be paid back. It just means there are more twenty pound notes. So in that sense, there's nothing to be paid back. If you, in terms of the electronic money that's being created, the the only challenge is that in a crisis, everybody might say, "I want to hold cash," so we all take our money out of the banks and we, we literally start storing money under the under the mattress. When things calm down and when they get normal again and everything recovers. It may be that you've created too much money for those circumstances, in which case you have to remove money from the system. Sure. But in a sense, that's fine, because if everything goes back to perfect, and so this comes back to the point about, well, won't there be an inflation problem? Yeah, but you'll need to have full employment. If we get full employment, I have no problem with raising interest rates and raising taxes. And and that's a great world, right? Because you're at full employment. That means everybody has a job, People's incomes and livelihoods has recovered. We don't have small businesses failing, so it, it is possible. So, in a sense, there is actually nothing really to be paid back. So what you're saying to me, Northern Ireland's a fifty billion pound economy. It's a small business economy. Seventy-four thousand SMEs in Northern Ireland. About sixty-seven thousand of them have less than ten employees. Um, if there was the political will and imagination in London via Stormont, we could have access to a lot more financial support, which would mitigate then the challenges that we're now facing. Is that correct? You know, I don't know enough personally about the Northern Irish economy, but I but but, but there's certainly no financial constraint. That's what I so, yeah. that, That's the key point. And my 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 bias would be that even though I think central banks and governments have done a great job. I still think they could all be doing more and should be doing more. And so what our observation is that there's nowhere on the political spectrum. If I look at the political parties available to me in Europe at the moment and the policies that they stand for, frankly, none of them are addressing these issues. The environment is not being addressed on a time frame that's going to make any difference. Also, it needs to be a global plan. You know, there's no point a single country moving really aggressively. You need everybody to do it, and you need some big, big geographies: America, China, India, Brazil. You know, and we can be involved in changing. So, first of all, nobody's got a serious policy there, quite frankly. Nobody's got any policy on the table to do anything about wealth inequality, and nobody is fundamentally tackling this kind of disconnect between our sense of well-being and the fact that we have more resources as a society than we've ever had before.